In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Merry Christmas! By now, we've all hung decorations, enjoyed roasts, sung carols, probably opened some presents, if not all, and there will be more merrymaking to come, I know. The stress of planning and shopping and baking and doing is over. I, at least, am grateful for the rest. I'm grateful that the shopping is over, especially. It's done, or it's too late now if you didn't do it. The shopping is over. And, you know, in this season leading up to Christmas, the season of Advent, which all too often involves a lot of Christmas songs in the mall, I found that just one hour at the mall is enough for my brain to attach itself to all of those silly Christmas songs about Santa and sleighs and snowmen. They're very fun, and I don't have anything against them. But I find myself reflecting on the strangest phrases out of context, like, giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet. I don't know what that means. Or Parson Brown, he'll say, are you married? And you'll say, no ma'am, but no man, but you can do the job when you're in town. It took me years to figure out what that song meant, and I had to actually Google the lyrics to be able to understand it. Maybe it's just me. But this year, my silly song that has gotten into my head is A White Christmas. And it's because I find myself dreaming of a white Christmas. I always do. But this year, that Irving Berlin song has gotten stuck there. And perhaps it's because I realize in Birmingham, my chances for a white Christmas are significantly less than they were in Massachusetts or Pittsburgh or New York. All of those other places where I've lived, you couldn't guarantee a white Christmas, um, but there was a much better chance, wasn't there? I have always loved snow. There's something heavenly about the way that it gently enters in to the dreary world of bleak lawns, bare, stark trees, and gray skies. Even the slightest dusting of snow will cover every single aspect of our dingy, earthly world. Snow transforms the suburbs and the countryside into a postcard picture of winter perfection. Snow even, for a moment at least, makes the city streets seem romantic and noble. Snow highlights every detail, covers every flaw, brings out beauty where you least expect it, and in a sense, it cleanses everything that it touches. Snow is white. Snow is pure. Snow has a sense of an otherworldly innocence. And so in my heart, I sing of snow 
and I sing of Christmas, and I hope for a white Christmas, just as Irving Berlin wrote, just like Bing Crosby sang. And I sing of a snowy white Christmas because I believe that in essence, every Christmas is a white Christmas, whether it snows or not. Because every Christmas, we remember and celebrate once again that gift from heaven given to us so gently, that gift that enters into our dark and fallen world, this dreary, wintry place has been forever changed and will be forever changed because of that gift. Just like snow, the gift from God descends silently, silently, just like in that carol, O little town of Bethlehem. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. What are those blessings of heaven? There could be many, but one might just be the love that is shared between the Godhead, the persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the same love that self-sacrificial love that is extended to us, it was extended to us when we were created, because humanity was created to be in relationship with that God, that triune God. But our ancestors, Adam and Eve, they threw away that relationship and that love when they tasted the forbidden fruit in that garden long ago. Those first humans preferred to have knowledge and power and the illusion of control. And so sin entered creation. And sin enters not just the broader creation, but sin is a part of our personal lives too. Sin taints our lives And the lives of those around us, we would rather, like Adam and Eve, have knowledge and power and the illusion of control than have love and relationship with God. We would rather even work to earn God's love so that we might be found brave or beautiful, intelligent, righteous, anything to earn perfection rather than to rely on our own need for God. Perhaps you might find it easier to see the sins and the flaws in those around you rather than your own. Yes, they are flawed too, and we might feel the hurts of Christmas past even as we sit down at the dinner table together. No matter how much water has gone under the bridge, some things might still hurt. Others hurt us, yes, through sin, but we also are prone to hurt them as well. And there is a great freedom in admitting this and acknowledging this. 
We see the consequences of sin also, not just in those around us, but in the creation, in the society around us. It manifests itself in untold suffering, like the suffering in Newtown, Connecticut last week. We see the effects of sin and evil in oppression, violence, and all of the hurts that we might experience in our lives. And so we suffer as a result of sin. But again, we are not innocent. We are actually complicit, each one of us, because we actively contribute to the dreariness and wrongness of our world through the unkind thoughts of our minds, the disordered passions of our hearts, and large and small deeds that betray our inward sinfulness and selfishness. We are complicit in sin. And we might try our hand at outward signs of devotion to God through service, through Bible study, through attending church, through a discipline of kind and mindful words or actions. Whatever good we might try, these good actions that do benefit others and can immerse us in knowing God better, these good actions do not serve somehow to outweigh, as if on a scale, the guilt that we bear for the inner and outer manifestations of that disease of sin. But there is good news Did you hear it just now in the Old Testament lesson? In the words of the prophet Isaiah, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings, who publishes peace, who proclaims tidings of good, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. God reigns even over our unruly hearts and our disordered world. God is king, even over the dark places where we might find ourselves. God is not surprised by our sin, nor was he surprised by Adam and Eve's sin. God has a plan to save us, to redeem us, and to restore us to the innocence that we never had. The innocence that Adam and Eve did have only for a moment. And God's plan, what a wonderful plan, involves sending us his very own self. That word that was before all creation. The eternal word, God's beloved son, came to us and comes to us in a gentle and accessible way. As one of us, as a newborn baby, as a gentle and sweet, vulnerable baby. I do love babies, and they seem so perfect and innocent with that soft skin and sweet smell, with their utter dependence and their drooling smiles. But let me tell you, children are beautiful, and each baby is a delightful gift of God, but they are not innocent in a spiritual sense. Even the most guileless child has a deeply rooted selfishness. 
no matter how charmingly it may manifest itself. Jesus Christ was different. He is different. He is innocent. He is guileless, sinless, a lamb without any spots. He is pure white, like the snow that I wish would fall from heaven here in Birmingham. In Jesus, the words of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah are fulfilled. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Jesus' innocence, his guileless sinlessness, causes him to be that spotless lamb that was slain for the world, that was slain for us. Our sinfulness is swallowed up in his sinlessness. Jesus brings into our world and into our hearts a loveliness that a passing snowfall can only hint at. For those who believe in him, for those who receive God's gift to them in him, a gift that cannot be earned or deserved, it is as though our dreary and suffering world and our dark and wintry hearts are forever changed. Because we receive God's gift to us in Jesus, his pure innocence, And snowy white righteousness covers every detail, every stark tree branch, every telephone wire in our world, and everything in our dim and fleshly hearts. Our world is transformed, and we remember that today, and we give thanks And so I'm dreaming of a white Christmas because I know that every Christmas is white, whether it snows or not. Though our sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas.